With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargo, the Badgers beat reporter for the Rivals.com network. And today we finally wrap up our Wisconsin Spring Roster Breakdown Series. We're focusing on the secondary, a group of cornerbacks and safeties that return a majority of the contributors from last season, a group that was really good in Big Ten Conference play. And we'll also take a peek at the special teams as the Badgers have a major competition happening at the field goal role that likely won't be decided until right before the season opener. You'll hear defensive coordinator Jim Leonard's final media briefing to the media on today's show as Leonard has undergone his own position change this past spring. With the hiring of new cornerbacks coach Hank Poteet, Leonard's only positional focus, in addition to coordinating the entire Wisconsin defense, of course, is the safeties. How has that changed his approach and how good are the players in that safety position group? You'll hear that conversation in a little bit. Thanks, as always, for downloading and listening to the show wherever you are. We've gone through every position on Wisconsin Spring roster over the last several weeks, and we're happy to wrap things up with you today, starting with a talented group at the cornerback position that's a mix of old and new. And I mentioned just a couple seconds ago that Big Ten success that this Wisconsin secondary had during its modified seven-game conference schedule that was shrunk down even further because of COVID. Wisconsin's defense led the league with 169.8 passing yards allowed and gave up an average of just three pass plays over 20 yards per game. So it was one of the bigger offseason decisions for head coach Paul Chris that he decided to hire a cornerback coach instead of filling the vacant quarterback assistant coaching job left by John Budmeyer, shaking things up a little bit. He felt Chris did that he could handle coaching the quarterback position and he wanted to add another defensive coach to his staff to balance out the numbers, not to mention take some responsibilities up Jim Laird's plate which is massively important and has done pretty darn well for Wisconsin over the past five, six seasons. Now, Chris hired Poteet away from Toledo to coach the position. Now, Poteet, he's a self-described role player. That's what he was during his 10-year NFL career. Still won a Super Bowl ring playing cornerback over that time period. Now, Poteet said he plans on adding some tools to the two-belt, quote-unquote, of his unit, and that means the ceiling of seniors' Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams is exceptionally high heading into the fall. Both players have been in lockstep with each other since breaking into the rotation in 2018 and starting opposite each other in late 2019. Hicks has started 28 games over the last three seasons. He did most of his work last season out of the slot after Rashard Wild Goose was injured at Northwestern, causing him to either play in the box like a linebacker or deeper downfield like the safety, referring to Hicks, of course. The results was he had one of his best college seasons in his young career. He allowed 12 receptions on 29 targets while defending some of the conference's top receivers. And he also went from six penalties against him in 2019 to zero last season, zero accepted penalties. And he had the unit's best pro football focus coverage grade. Asked about his goals for 2021, Hicks said, quote, I want to be as versatile as I can be whether that's playing outside or inside as needed. It was very fun to get that experience last year, 
it really fits my play style a lot and I could see myself playing a lot more of that nickel position in the future. Williams was the most reliable of the group, seven starts and 378 snaps last season, but his numbers took a tumble. He finished with 12 passes defended and an interception in 14 games as a junior, but he had only two pass defended, no picks in seven games, and saw receivers catch 60.7% of passes against him in 2020, and he had an interception wiped out due to a questionable pass interference penalty at Northwestern, which was one of the three penalties on him last season. He did state that he never really consulted with the NFL Draft Advisory Board, only with Paul Chris, and felt that his overall consistency could grow with a full offseason, hence his draft stock heading into 2022. One thing that won't change is Wisconsin's approach this year. You know, Taking over the coaching the corners from the notorious aggressive Jim Leonard, Poteet said that he will continue to subscribe to that mindset. And although he acknowledged the challenges cornerbacks face with how today's game is officiated, Poteet is even willing to notch the pressure up. He said that he's been trying to build a foundation, starting from scratch with the press technique, emphasizing slow tempo at the line, and be able to use their hands. He wants to be physical at the line of scrimmage, challenge wide receivers, and force them to earn every yard that they get throughout the game. One player that has really taken that coaching to heart is Williams. He's described as a true veteran by his position coach and has been one of the more consistent and responsible players to the new skill set being brought by Poteet. There yet, in his eyes, it's technique that makes him more willing to attack. According to Williams, the whole group was inconsistent in press coverage, referring to last year, but we didn't play a lot of off-man technique in 2020. Having Coach Poteet in our room, says Williams, will balance everything out. He teaches us press, he teaches us off-man, he teaches us zone, he teaches us run fits. It's not always too much emphasis on one area of play. you got to be versatile to play this game. Now, Poteet's in-depth tinkering was with techniques wasn't available to the group last year, if you remember. Not only was Leonard trying to coach safeties and corners as well as coordinate the defense, they had lost their 15 developmental spring practices due to COVID, and when they all got together, they're preparing for the season opener against Illinois. Now, players have already said that this past spring made a world of difference, and with Hicks being limited at points this spring, it allowed younger corners like Dean Ingram and Alexander Smith to fight for a spot on the field. Both players appear to be in that next wave of talent for Wisconsin, which can also include Dante Burton, Samar Melvin, and Deron Harrell, all of whom have played in big situations for Wisconsin. Now, experience is also a theme at the safety spot, even though the Badgers lost Eric Burrell to the NFL and Reggie Pearson has transferred to Texas Tech. After not playing in 2019 because of an ACL tear, Scott Nelson played in six games last season and finished with 22 tackles and got better as the season wore on. Colin Wilder, who has an ACL tear previously at his old stop at Houston, led the position group with 30 tackles, third most on the team, and his decision to stave off turning professional for one more year is Wisconsin's gain. Both players played over 215 snaps last season. They combined for 52 tackles, five tackles for loss, and three interceptions, both making an impact in the bowl game against Wake Forest. Throughout spring practices they were that were open to the media, not many of them, but two, those two consistently worked next to each other instead of in a rotation like they were the year before. The two were listed, like I said, as co-stars at free safety in 2020, but both consistently moved around with Leonard doing his best to maximize versatility within the group. 
The on-field workmanship has been natural, it appears to be, giving UW's options with the depth that can best be labeled as unknown potential and the fact that Wilder and Nelson are good friends off the field and roommates. That depth includes redshirt junior Travion Blaylock, who had a hamstring surgery as true freshman. He re-injured his hamstring to limit him to one game in 2019 and battled through a host of other injuries last season. He had a strong camp until, of course, he got injured. He turned his ankle late in spring. Sophomore Titus Toller registered a pick in his college debut against the Fighting Illini, a lack of Fighting Illini in that game, but a back injury sidelined him for the spring and uh, for the last season and lingered throughout this spring. The only consistently healthy option has been senior John Torchio, who battled COVID last fall. So kind of an interesting mixture of players that we think is pretty good, but just haven't seen it consistently on the field. Now, both Blaylock and Toller are expected to be fully healthy and ready for fall camp, but Blaylock seems in better position considering he's been seen more by the coaching staff than Toller. Each player is versatile, uh, who can play in space in the secondary or can blitz near the line of scrimmage. Twice this spring, Leonard compared the skill set of Blaylock and Toller to former UW safety Natrell Jamerson, who moved from wide receiver to corner to safety during his Wisconsin career, relying on his athleticism and versatility to have carved out a nice NFL career to this point. Now, speaking of Leonard, he spoke to the media on one of the final days of spring practice about his safeties and the status of his defense heading into the fall. Here are his comments from that session with the media. Jim, how would you say your coaching with the safeties is different when you don't have to focus on the cornerbacks as well? Are there certain specifics you're able to get more into? You're definitely allowed to get into more detail. Uh, the game is so much more recognition early or, or maybe communication, and the, the timing of, of the process changes depending on the calls and the adjustments and things like that. So you're just able to, to kind of go a lot deeper and, and talk about different things because it's not as technical um, pre-snap. Right. Whereas corner is so much consistency and um, and technique, you know, there's a lot of coaching points that need to be made to safeties that don't apply until the ball snap for corners. So um, you're able to just get a lot deeper and, and a lot more one on one time. Right. There, there's with having more coaches around, you know, having having coach Poe, um, just the one on one day to day. Um, attention that guys are able to get is is huge, and uh, I think we're going to reap the benefits of that this fall. Just wondering overall with your defense, what do you want to see different? Obviously, your defense ranks high in every category last year, but where do you think y'all can get better? And just overall in the spring, what have you seen that's encouraged you from the defense? I think number one, what what I'm looking for is consistency, um, and and we've been able to do that in a number of ways. Um, consistent production, you know, giving us a chance to win week in and week out, right? That's, that's the number one thing for it. The, the playmaking, right? How, how you change games, how you really impact a game, right? When you, when you look at sacks and TFLs and turnovers and kind of who's involved with that, right? Who are your most dynamic players? That's going to change a little bit. And, and as you've noticed throughout the years, like some of those numbers, I mean, we, we may be really high in sacks one year and really low the next year, but statistically kind of getting to the same place well sometimes a couple dynamic players in in certain positions will change that tfls right is another one that we've kind of rode the wave some years really good some years not so great um but we've played uh 
really good defense around that. Sometimes you stop the run really well by getting TFLs and other times it's just by playing technique and you're not seeing those tackles for loss. And I think that's where we try to really find who's that top 11 or really that top group of guys, maybe those key backups that you know are going to get a decent amount of work. And to me, I like to set the plan up around that and, and play to their strengths and, you know, to me, it's it's finding ways to create vision on the quarterback to hopefully make those turnovers become reality week in and week out at times or in crucial situations. Um, you know, when we need a big sack, when we need a big TFL, what what's the top ways to get there? Right. That's that's what I'm trying to identify in the spring. And a lot of that comes off of who you think is going to be on the field, you know, in those moments. Yeah, Jim, earlier this spring, when you were talking about guys who are flexible and vertical, so you mentioned Toller and Travion Blaylock, but it looks like both guys are are out. I'm just curious, will Toller be available for camp? And, and what do both of those guys need to show you in camp in order to get on the field defensively and get in that rotation for you? Yeah, I think we're anticipating both guys um, being back for, for fall camp. Obviously, Titus was... It's going to be a huge spring for him um, just to continue to grow in the defense and for us to learn more about him. Um, he missed a significant amount of time. Trey's just been a little bit um, just missing a couple practices here at the end. So for the mo- most part, he was available this spring and, and able to take huge strides forward. Um, they are two guys that bring that versatility, um, the ability to cover, the ability to play in space, but also a physical aspect at the line of scrimmage, you know, blitzing, different things like that. So kind of opens up the world um, when you have guys like that. Sometimes it's a corner, right? You look at Natrell Jamerson was kind of the same mold of, well, he played corner, he played nickel, and all of a sudden he, he kind of ends up in that safety position and you use his athleticism to create some matchups that are you know, more in your favor, um, hoping to find guys that, that fit that mold. Um, Jam was was pretty special for us this senior year and in, in trying to find guys that are are flexible, right? To me, what I hit with our safeties a lot is is there's very few when the farther you play this game, you know, there's very few guys that I would say, man, he's just a safety. Right? There's safeties that have the ability to play like corners. There's safeties that have the ability to play like inside backers or outside linebackers. You have to have two, right? You have to be able to do two or or kind of the the age of football that we're in with all the spread, all the RPO, um, you can create some issues. So I always trying to find what is that? These guys need to be dynamic at the safety position alone. What's next, right? What is that next thing that's, that's going to be your niche um, to make you stand out and different from the rest? Yeah, we've seen Colin and Scott play quite a bit throughout their career here, but maybe not as much together until this spring. How do you think those guys play off each other in, in that top unit? I think they complement each other really well. Um, and, and my job in the spring for all of our safeties is to get them out of their comfort zone and, and make sure they play with different people and ask them to do different roles. And then once we get in season, kind of tightening up what, what they do best. Um, but I, I think they work well together. I, it's been a couple of years now that they've been in the secondary together, right, in that rotation of kind of three or four guys that that's got the majority of the snaps. So um, comfort level between them is, is very high. And I like what they bring um, a, as a group. And it's finding who's next to really step in and kind of balance that group out. And to me, a big part of college football is taking not necessarily taking snaps off of a guy 
because he, lack of production, um, it's to allow guys to just play as hard as possible and, and know that, you know, you can impact this thing on special teams and we can get you a handful of snaps off on defense, right? You can play as hard as possible and we'll get you a blow because I have a lot of faith in that next guy coming in there. So you're going to get that, right? It's kind of building in that mentality of you're going to get little breaks within the game. So kind of empty the tank every, every series. And, you know, once the game gets on the line, we're going to get guys on there that, that have a great feel that week and in that game plan of, of how to execute um, in crunch time. Jim, I know Preston Zachman's still pretty green to the position, obviously, but how has he, and we saw him flash on Saturday with that interception and then also it looked like a pass breakup in one of the periods too, but how has he adapted to that position from, from the linebacker spot and where do you see him fitting in within, in that backfield yeah, I love the move, getting Preston in that safety group. Um, coming out of high school, you knew he was he was an athlete, right? Played quarterback, played defense, you know, kind of a hybrid safety backer. Um, great wrestler in high school, right? So you knew the athleticism was there. It's just kind of going, all right, what's what's his niche, right? What where does he where does he actually fit in this defense? You know, we put him at, at the, the linebacker position and felt like. As his career went on, just kind of seeing how we thought his body was going to develop, we think that safety room is going to be the, the right move for him. And um, he has a great knack for the game. Uh, he's got a good feel, um, understands what we do, the adjustments, um, was able to transition to safety pretty quickly as far as alignment and assignment type of football. And um, I think you're seeing just kind of some of the natural ability and, and playmaking you know he's, he's around the football he knows where to get his eyes he he understands how to read a quarterback I think playing quarterback in high school helps him so he kind of understands how you know offenses try to manipulate safeties and and use use their eyes to to move you and different things and um, he's done a great job even though it's limited experience this spring as far as the number of practices uh, he's got a good amount of reps and in understands our defense he did a great job last year of learning what we do kind of learning why we do it and uh he's able to apply everything he learned in that linebacker room to the safety position. Yeah, Jim, you know, you, you've been here for, to see kind of the, the recruiting and development of this defense or pretty much everybody uh, out there. I'm just curious how, how the group looks to you now, as opposed to when you first arrived and if there are any elements that are more noticeable when you watch even a practice or a scrimmage, the defense now versus when you first arrived. Uh, I mean, obviously there's transition just with the, the coaches, right? I, I think, you know, coming in myself, just the DBs, kind of under Justin Wilcox and, and us taking over from, from what kind of the foundation Dave had built. Um, you know, we, we each have our little flavor on, on how we see things, how we call the game, right? Little tweaks within, you know, the defense or – and then you, you look at the individual positions going from Tim Tibisar to Bobby April, you know, getting Bo- Coach Bostad in here, now Ross – just seeing how each individual coach and their personality, I think putting their own stamp on the positions and, and to me kind of allowing the flexibility within what we do to, to let them do that and, and coach it their way. And, you know, understanding as coaches, we have to do a great job of communicating because in, in the long run, I, I could care less exactly what the call is or the technique used to get it done as long as we're able to be consistent with it and, and be dynamic, you know, and, and identify the, the playmakers and help put them in position to to impact games in a big way. So um, definitely seeing a, a lot of change throughout the course of the years, but the foundation really hasn't. 
Um, the foundation has been pretty consistent ever since I got here. You know, the type of guys, uh, we have some dynamic playmakers. We've done a great job recruiting um, to what this scheme is um, and the fitting guys in, I guess, to where, where those positions are that you can kind of put, isolate the, the most dynamic guys. Um, and year in and year out, it looks a little bit different. I think that's what I'm most proud of and kind of happy with the coaching staff as far as how we've been able to get that done. Yeah, Jim, I think you said before the 19 season, you thought Scott Nelson was ready to have a big year and obviously that got cut short. So I'm just curious what you saw from him last year and with regards to that injury, a lot of guys say it's a full year before you're really back to where you were. What have you seen from him this spring in terms of physically with that knee? Is he completely back and and ready to, to build on what he did last year? First off, I think he had a huge year last year. Um, you, know, you look back at what he was able to do. Um, unfortunate that it got cut short because you just don't see players sustain it for that 12, 13, 14 games, right, full, full season, and I think he was ready to do that. I mean, you just look at Michigan game alone. Right, the, the first game he was back, and you get an interception, uh, first play of the game. Right, you get in a TFL in the backfield. I think he was playing so much faster and more confident than he was um, e- even going into that year before. I, you felt he was ready to make that transition. Obviously, it got cut short, but he learned a lot from the from from his freshman year when he was playing a lot of football, and it just took took a while to come to fruition. And he's carried it over this spring. Um, from a physical aspect, I think he, he broke every record back in the weight room from before he, he tore his ACL. So you're starting to see, I think, the confidence in his body. And he's able to push himself and, and do things that maybe even last year he was, you know, not not quite sure he was ready for. Um, making plays helps with that confidence. Um, and now you're really starting to see the belief that, that he is not only where he was before that ACL, he's significantly past it. And the consistency in his play and in his playmaking showing up every day. Jim, you mentioned before how well Scott and Colin play off each other. What specifically have you seen from Colin this spring and kind of trying to fill the role that Eric had? And then also I just wanted to ask about John Torchio, um, since we, we haven't mentioned him. He's gotten a lot of reps this spring. Where where has he grown? Yeah, so first with Colin, um, the one thing you know is it's going to be physical. It's going to be physical football. He's going to play as fast as possible every play. Um, so just giving him little things um, to play with a little bit more control at times early in the down, right, rather than just turning that switch on uh, as early as possible. So a little bit more control at times early. So then when you know that you're ready to, to let it go, um, you're right, Um he did a great job for us. We were really the last two years. You look at that his snaps were a significantly better team when he's on the field, right? And he's always been in that rotation. But from a physical physicality standpoint, and, and from a play speed, and just kind of making things right at times. Um, and somebody missed a tackle, and he shows up and, and gets it on the ground. Uh, some little things that he doesn't really get credit for. It's hard to see if you're not a coach, but. Um, you kind of set the tone, helped set the tone, I should say, of those defenses the last couple of years. And um, I think when him and Scott are on the field together, you know, they love to communicate. They love to handle different levels of the defense. And to me, the biggest thing I see when they're on the field together, they, they each kind of take a deep breath because they know they don't have to do it themselves. Um, so, you know, it's, it's pushing them to work with other guys to maintain that, 
of that level of communication, but that also when they play together, they said you, you see that they, they know they only have to do so much. And it, I think it frees them up uh, from a playmaking standpoint because they're not always trying to take care of as many people themselves, um, which I, I like both. I like both of that. Um, it's, it's great qualities to have. Um, Torch is a guy – um, I think he was another one last year that really started to grow and, and was deserving of getting more playing time. You know, he, he played more two years ago probably on defense than last year, and the season getting cut short, I, I think a number of guys. You look at Titus, you look at um, Trey Blaylock, um, Torch, they were all kind of in that boat of, you know, as this thing goes on and guys get nicked up and there's injuries here, you know, they were ready to step in, and I didn't feel like we were going to have a drop-off. Uh, really didn't feel like we were going to have drop-off in our place. So um, excited about him. He's gotten better in every way here this spring, uh, so I'm, I'm excited. You know, he's playing with more urgency. I think you're seeing his body and kind of figuring out where he is at the college level with his body and starting to trust that and uh, playing with a lot of confidence. And, and he's another guy that the ball finds, and uh, he does a great job of impacting the, the practices. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Our final position to talk about from this past spring, last but certainly not least, is the specialist. It typically is a forgotten group in the spring because the kickers and punters will work separately from the rest of the team and out of sight from the media. The only time we do see them is when they kick field goals in game-like situations before or after, before at the beginning or at the end of practice. And to be frank, those weren't very successful in the few times we saw them kick. It's the reason why special teams coach Chris Herring said the kicking position will go into fall camp, calling it a battle and a true competition between kickers Colin Larsh and Jack Van Dyke. The limitations of UW's kicking game have been kind of easily noticeable the past two seasons since Rafael Gagliannoni graduated. With Larsh as the team's primary kicker over that time, UW is 15 for 18 and kicks under 39 yards. That's 83.3% and 76 for 77 on extra points, 98.7 percent. But on attempts over 40 yards, the results are less than favorable. The Badgers are just three and ten on such kicks. Larsh went 0 for two last season, and Van Dyke had his lone attempt from that distance blocked. Over the last two seasons, Larsh is two for seven on kicks over 40 yards. Now he's tried to correct that issue. He reached out to NFL kicker John Carney, who made 82.4 percent of his field goals over a 24 NFL career. Carney put Larsh on a strength program that highlights different power lifts, increasing flexibility, and improving the swing plane, a workout program he's doing in addition to what the UW strength staff is giving him. Said Larsh, quote, what I've been trying to do is find a way to increase power without taking away from the accuracy. I've always been the guy that doesn't kick it that far, but the ball is going to stay straighter. I feel like I could take more out of that power slide of it without taking away from that accuracy, end quote. Power isn't a big problem for Van Dyke. The sophomore averaged 60.9 yards on his 34 kickoff attempts last season, including 16 going for touchbacks. The Badgers ranked 60th in kick return defense, 20.7 yards per return. While adding, trying to add to his leg power, Van Dyke is working to grow accuracy and improving his follow-through on his kicks. With the help of analyst Taylor Melhoff on the staff, who made 50 field goals during his Wisconsin career from 2004 to 07, Wisconsin charts everything in practice from field goals made, attempts, uh, distance, and kick placement. While who makes more kicks is certainly a determining factor, Heron and Melhoff also look at the operation between the holder and long snapper and the functionality under pressure. 
and that the starter will have won the job based on his merits and not by default. Herring said that Wisconsin ideally would like one kicker to handle kicks of all distances. And the Badgers appear to be set at the other key position. Sophomore Peter Bowden uh, will fill the void left by four-year starter Adam Bay at long snapper. Senior Andy uh, Vunovich returns as the team's starting punter. And backup punter Connor Schlichting is an, an experienced holder on those field goal attempts. And the Badgers were fortunate last season that their waiver potential, uh, petition for Vunovich was approved to give him immediate eligibility. He transferred from Dubuque and he averaged 41.6 yards on 33 punts with 13 inside the 20 and five going for 50 yards. Connor uh, punted, uh, put all three of his punts inside the 20. The Badgers allowed just 4.88 yards per return. That was good enough for 33rd nationally, 25 places higher than the year before. And UW also finished 69th in net punting average at 38.47 yards. That's 43 places higher than in 2019. Wisconsin still has some work to do in the uh, kick return defense game. They were 60th in that role. They kind of miss Zach Hintz, his Megatron leg, always kicking the ball into the end zone for touchbacks. They allowed 20.71 yards per return. All those units will be ironed out over the course of summer and fall camp, especially the return game, as Wisconsin will need a dynamic punt and kick returner in the fall. That is it. We made it. We made it through every position on the roster, and in a few months' time, we'll take a closer look at all of them again. Only this time, we'll see it through the prism of the season opener, which is against Penn State and a little more than three months away. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com and follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. Also follow John McNamara, our site publisher at McNamara Rivals. A lot of happenings going on in the coming weeks with official visiting uh, starting. Wisconsin's got some big weekends coming up in June. High school camps are coming. Lots of good things are coming in terms of recruiting that leads us to believe that we're starting to get back to normal. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I am on vacation next week, so no new show next week, but we'll be back with you all this summer with more episodes of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Thanks as always for downloading and listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Badger Nation.